Hello and welcome to the Matt Belair podcast. As an explorer of the mind and world, author and coach, I have spent a lifetime learning how to push my limits and achieve my highest potential. My mission is to bring you the most inspiring, conscious, and empowering teachers, leaders, and thinkers on the planet. To bring you stories, lessons, and messages that will help you master your mind, body, and spirit. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello there, Conscious Awareness, listening to this voice. How do you know for sure that right now you are not in a dream? If you'd like to find out, just take either hand and plug your nose. And as you keep your nose plugged with your fingers, begin to try to breathe in and repeat to yourself, if I am breathing, I am dreaming. If I am breathing, I am dreaming. And if you are in fact in this reality, whatever this reality is, you will not be able to breathe because you will be plugging your nose. If you are in fact dreaming, you will be breathing and you will discover that you are currently in a dream. And if so, you can lucid dream and enjoy that experience, whatever that is. That is the best way that I have ever discovered to dis- to figure out if I am dreaming. Throughout the day, I will plug my nose and I'll say if I'm breathing, I'm dreaming. If something weird happens or just for no reason. And what happens is that sometimes I think that reality is happening. I'll plug my nose and I'll do that and I'll be breathing through my nose. And I'll be like, holy crap, I am dreaming. We have an amazing podcast for you today. We have Robert Bosnack and we are going to be talking about everything dreams. He is a Zurich trained Jungian analyst and alchemical psychotherapist. Uh, He has led dream workshops around the world and uh, he is a four, he is an expert in dream Jungian psychology and all of that kind of thing. So we're going to talk about how to lucid dream, the jump techniques, where do dreams originate, um, getting into non-self perspectives, the definition of consciousness, treating dreams as the real world. Uh, One of the greatest psychologists Um, somatic intelligence, visualization as first person as an embodiment for high performance athletes. So we talk about high performance, uh, how to incorporate embodied intelligence. So we dive deep into this podcast. You are going to love it. Um, This is part one of two. If you want to support the show, take a screenshot of what you like, share it on Instagram and tag me, tag Robert. Um, Shares really do help. I think I got into, I don't like to get into the conspiracy stuff, but I think I got a little bit blacklisted from iTunes. People aren't being able to find my podcast. Uh, My rankings aren't going up the same. Um, Some sort of baloney is happening. So if you share um, podcasts, screenshots, things like that. It really helps, goes a long way. Thank you so much to all my patrons. I am so grateful for everybody who supports. It really does help. Go to patreon.com forward slash Matt Belair. If you just want to toss a buck in the bucket, it really goes a long way. And I'm super, super grateful. Um, for those of you guys, um, who haven't left a review that really helps Two reviews go a long way. This one is from dark star three, six, nine. And it says, I am grateful for your podcasts. Wow. I was led to your podcast through FLFE.net, a website offering services to raise your consciousness using kinesiology. I defined a part two of the interview of these two great guests and went to iTunes to find your podcast. Thank you for such a great interview. I am now excited as I see all of your podcasts are talking about awesome 
topics with great guests. Thank you for you. And I look forward to hearing more of your wonderful work. May you be blessed abundantly. So thank you so much for leaving that review. I super appreciate it. Um, Thank you so much. Uh, But the best thing that you guys can do is to just do one act of kindness. If not, take the kindness challenge, doing three kind acts a day for a week. Again, just tag me on Instagram or Facebook. Let me know you're taking that challenge and that would be amazing. Uh, Check out mattbelair.com. Sign up for the email list. If you want a free lucid dreaming audio, which makes sense. Um, and a how to lucid dream guide, just go to mattbelair.com forward slash lucid dreaming and you can have that as well. And for those of you guys who are interested in coaching, if you want to experience a heart journey activation, which, um, tunes into your heart's eternal intelligence um, so you can find a life direction. It is like a life purpose, but it's not a specific thing. It's more like a direction because we figure out things as we go. It's the most powerful technique I've ever used. I'm doing that more with people. They're having tremendous results as always. And if you want to dive deeper in any other type of coaching, we can take it from there. Um, Just fill out the form and let me know what you're working on, how I can help, and we can overcome blocks, help you design a life vision, keep you accountable, and really get you going. So uh, just hit me up at mattbelair.com or Mad at Zen Athlete, and I'll happily help you out. I want to thank my new partner sponsor, Himalaya Podcast app. They're epic. Uh, the app is free. It's easy to use. There's tons of features. Um, it helps build and connect with the podcast community that is growing around the world. So like-minded people has every single podcast you can imagine. Helps with search features. Um, they support their creators, so they support me. Uh, there's a tip jar if you want to throw it in there. It's kind of like Patreon. Um, you can like episodes, and, and soon you you're going to be able to create a shareable playlist. They give you suggestions. So uh, it's an epic app. Uh, check it out. It's H-I-M-A-L-A-Y-A. And make sure to follow the Mastermind Body and Spirit show once you're there. So I think that's it. Um, let's just come into a powerful state of peace and coherence before we get into this part one. So wherever you are in the world, just stop whatever you're doing. Taking a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath. And just let it out slowly with all the cares, all the worries, all the stresses coming to total peace and coherence wherever you are. Just remembering that you are a divine piece of creation, that you are amazing, perfect, and whole just as you are connected to spirit and all of life, that you are a divine, immortal, multidimensional being. So, all right, let's get into this part one with Robert Bosnack. Hello and welcome to the Mastermind, Body, and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest is a Zurich-trained Jungian analyst and alchemical psychotherapist. He has led groups and explored dreaming with individuals in both analytical and didactic contexts, developing a method called embodied imagination. Embodied imagination in the work with his dreams, waking memories, is practiced individually and in groups and in psychotherapy medicine theater, art, and creative research. It has been used as a rehearsal technique of the Royal Shakespeare Company in England, applied in medical research and psychotherapy in Japan. He has authored several books and is the co-founder of the International Society for Embodied Imagination, the National Nightmare Hotline, and since 1997, CyberDreamWork.com. He is past president of the International Association for the Study of Dreams and was visiting professor of clinical psychology at Kyoto University in Japan. His interest in alchemy has been channeled into the first in a series of novels entitled Red Sulfur, The Great Mystery in Alchemy, books one and two in 2015. Welcome to the show, Robert Bosnack. Well, thank you so much, Matt, for having me. I'm so excited. 
yeah, I'm, I'm excited for you to be here. I had a little bit of a technical difficulties in the morning, so apologies for people who are waiting for this. I know that you have people that really want to hear what you have to say, so I, I had to shorten the bio a little bit, and it seems I shortened it at an odd spot because I read it funny. Um, do you want to give people a little bit about your background? Because you've been doing some really exciting research for a long time. Yeah. Um, so... Um, uh, the way it started for me is um, that um, in my late teens and early 20s, I was uh, quite ill and ended up in the hospital for about 11 months. And then Western medicine couldn't quite fix it. They fixed some of it, but not all. And so then um, I got married and my wife had been in analysis at the time. And she said, you should go into analysis. And then I uh, went to Zurich and started working in analysis in the first two years, all my symptoms cleared up. So I became really interested in the relationship between imagination, especially dreaming, and the body that became my central interest. Um, so I, I was not so much interested in what dreams mean, but how they affect us and how we can let them affect us deeper. Um, and so from there, slowly, I developed over the last 45, 47 years, um, this technique of embodied imagination. And um, so uh, with that, what we're doing is we're helping artists to um, get deeper into their, uh, into their characters, actors. Uh, um, I didn't do this, but another dream worker did the movie a Star is Born is the first movie that is entirely dreamworked, where the where the two main actors worked with their dreams in order to get deeper into character, and that's what we're doing. And uh, there are different methods. My method is particular, and what they use is a little bit different, but it's the same kind of material. And then we work um, in in healing. With uh, we have healing sanctuaries where we work particularly with dreams and art and all these kind of things, and it affects the body deeply. Uh, we do studies about placebo because I think that um, what I'm doing is very much the way imagination influences the body, which is studied in the placebo studies. Um, so, yeah, I'm totally fascinated by this stuff. I think that dreams, that, uh, I said it in my first book, I said dreams are an act of genius. It is the greatest act of genius that we can make. Wow. Well, you you, you shortened that a lot more than I, I thought because I've been I've looked at your course and I read some of your bio and it's an immense amount of work. I'm not even sure the most productive way to go. I'm curious about uh, dreams. The only thing that I can say is like I you know I taught myself how to lucid dream and I thought that was interesting. And I've been studying with a Native American elder, and um, he was actually expressing that in his culture and from his teachings that dreams um, are, are very, very special. Because imagination is one thing. It's kind of derived a little bit of, from consciousness, so to, a little bit more. But dreams are coming from a totally different space. So maybe you can touch a little bit on, on yes. just what you found about dreams and maybe and how we can start to use them. Yes. Um, so um, that's what I'm going to be teaching in this course, right? Um, this course is going to be uh, going out of your mind with Robert Bosnack. And I try to help people go out of their mindset into a new mindset. And for that, it is really, um, and the, the first of the course has already happened. So you can get that, uh, download that from, uh, 
the Jung platform, jungplatform.com. But anyway, so um, in the next sessions, what I'll be doing is to go into dreaming because um, I think, and I agree with your Native American um, person that you talk to, um, that uh, dreams are a form of reality. And um, so I think that this form of reality of dreaming is not just happening in dreaming. I think it happens all the time, uh, but it happens particularly in dreaming because in dreaming, there's a whole world that is being created. You're suddenly in that world. The act of creativity of it is astounding. I mean, you could never ever do this in Hollywood with uh, $200 million and um, a year worth, worth of work. Um, any dream is more real than Avatar, which I think is one of the most real movies that has been made in the sense of getting you into that reality. Um, so, but dreams are much more real. And so in a dream, you know that you're awake and while you're awake, you have these adventures and then you wake up. Um, when you talk about lucid dreaming, it's a very small percentage of dreaming. The vast, vast majority of dreaming, you don't know that you're dreaming. Lucid dream is that you know that you're dreaming. Um, but the ordinary dream, you are convinced that you're awake. Um, you're convinced that you're in an environment where something is happening. And you're convinced that everything around you is embodied and physical. So you're completely convinced of that. And then you wake up into your culture. So if you wake up into Western culture, then you would say either in the scientific tradition, you would say this is all uh, hogwash of the brain, the brain washing itself or the brain integrating things, or that's what science would say. And then you can, uh, what psychology frequently says is that these, um, these things are part of me, which I think um, means that psychology is in, um, is a product of Western individualism. If you ask neuroscience, which is into materialism, um, they say that it's happening in the brain. Um, so, but it doesn't mean anything because while dreaming, that is not the question. So I am trying to go into imagination, this real form of imagination, the creative imagination, um, with dreaming as my paradigm, because that is the most clear form of imagination that we have. So that's why I start there and then see what we can learn from dreaming to go out of our minds, to go out of our habitual minds and to go into a place of going into deeper space, because that's what I'm interested in. It's kind of a space travel. Right. Interesting. Well, it's funny because I was talking to my friend the other day about lucid dreaming. I teach people a little bit how to lucid dream and I've studied mm -hmm. that for a while. And what the easiest technique for me was to, that actually worked is throughout the day, I plug my nose like this yeah. and I breathe in and I say to myself, if I'm breathing, I'm dreaming. Mm -hmm. The one that will click. And so sometimes I'll be doing something and then I'll be breathing and I go, holy crap, I'm dreaming. And my initial reaction for a while was frustration because it's so real. Right. There's no way that you can tell the difference. It's absolutely happening. Yeah in that space, you, you can't tell. So, you know, the practical questions for me would, and, and feel free to steer this however you wish, because I know that you have a lot of knowledge, but it would be, 
um, you know, how does a beginner start to remember their dreams? A lot of people say, I don't remember my dreams. And what? then how do we start to use our dreams and what can we use them for? Okay, very good. So, um, yeah, I think that what I used to do to get lucid is um, every a few, uh, every uh, half hour I would jump up. And as I jumped, I could feel the amount of gravity that there was. And if the gravity was unusual, then I would think, oh, maybe I'm dreaming. And I would start checking it. The easiest way to check it, by the way, is to look at um, if you become lucid um, and you want to do something that's dangerous, like jumping off a building or something. Um, then um, you look at something that's written and then you look away and then you try to change it and you look back and if it's still the same, then you're probably awake. So there are such things because the brain works a little bit differently while dreaming. Um, and yes, but it is entirely real. The, the great uh, researcher in the 19th century of lucid dreaming, um, he um, had hundreds of lucid dreams and his main interest is that he couldn't tell them apart. You couldn't tell them apart. And so, um, you may have heard for, about um, the foundation of Western science. The man is called Descartes. We've got this notion of the Cartesian world, right? The world that is um, split in body and in mind. Um, he set up that whole system because he said, I don't know whether what I'm writing down right now, I'm writing down in a dream or while waking. So therefore, I cannot trust my senses at all because my senses could betray me because I could be dreaming. Um, so um, he was after certainty. What, what I'm after is um, experience. So I'm really interested how people experience things because what I've done is I've traveled all over the world and asked people, how do you dream and what do you dream and tell me about your dreaming. And so... Um, I could not go with any metaphysical system like, um, for instance, dreams are about us or dreams about, are about the ancestors or dreams are hogwash. Or I couldn't go with any of those systems because it wouldn't work in, in, in China where um, dreams are about the future or it wouldn't work in Aboriginal Australia where the future, where, the, uh, where dreams are about the ancestors or about rituals that need to be performed. And it wouldn't, um, uh, it would only be true for people who are in this psychology tradition of the 19th, 20th century, where it's all about us. Um, and um, that has always been very strange because when you're dreaming, um, the world is entirely real around you. We just established that, right? The world is entirely real around you. Now, so imagine for a moment that we're now dreaming, everybody who's listening to this, just imagine that you're dreaming right now, that everything around you is real. And then the moment you say, this is about me, that's the moment that you have a delusion of reference. Because no, this world that you're sitting in, this screen behind me, this world that I'm sitting in, is not about me. And so why do we say the dreams are about us? We just know that they are encounters. So I help people to get back into those encounters and not just experience it from the perspective of yourself, the narrator of the dream, I was walking down the street, I was walking down the street, not just from the perspective of I walking down the street, but also from the perspective of a bicyclist that comes by or a tree that is over there and move into different perspectives by way of um, techniques that we've developed from acting. 
That sounds awesome, man. Um, <clears throat> so do we go a little bit deeper in that way? Because I've, I've heard yeah. of a few techniques like that. So one of the things that I would use was just a dream journal. And when I'd wake mm -hmm. up, I would start to write. And the biggest thing I think for me and probably a lot of the listeners and maybe you can speak on this is how do we just start remembering our dreams so we can start to work with them and then once we have that remembrance of what we're dreaming in what ways can we work with them in what ways can we explore um, just improving our lives or, or what kind of impact it can have yes um, so uh, the um, the way to begin is to not assume uh, that you know what a dream is uh, lots of people think that think that dreams are stories, that they have a plot, they have a beginning and an end. Not necessarily. Um, so that you decide for yourself that you're going to remember anything that you can. Anything that you can, even if it's just one little image. And uh, because these little images are usually very interesting. Um, and then in my course, I show how you then can get back into those images. I can tell you a little bit about it, but it's a longer process that I couldn't quite explain here. That's why I'm doing a 10-week course about it. But um, the, uh, the way that I help you is by getting into a flashback. Now, um, the technique of getting into a flashback is a very important one. Um, you have, uh, we know that flashbacks exist, right? Flashbacks come up very often with people. I've had them, many of them in my psychotherapeutic practice. People have been traumatized. Uh, when you're traumatized, suddenly you can feel yourself back in a situation. Like if you were traumatized um, in, uh, on the battlefield and there's something very loud going off, then suddenly you're back in the battlefield. You can smell it, you can hear it, you can feel it. Your whole body goes into a battlefield state. We call that uh, PTSD, but the, one of the main things about it is flashbacks. So the way that you can flashback into a dream, and that's what I would suggest for people to do first, flashback, um, is to take a place in the dream that you still remember as an event. So you go back to that event. Let's say I'm walking down the street uh, because dreams are usually humdrum. I love humdrum dreams. Um, so um, dreams that are great battles and all these epic things, they're very rare and they're a nuisance because you first have to get out of that narrative and you have to get back to the images and people are very invested in the narrative. It takes forever. So I love humdrum dreams. I love the ordinary dreams that are like 80% of our dreaming. Um, and so um, what you do is you first have to slow things down. This whole technique of going into the embodied imagination, to go into the world of imagination as a form of reality, because that's what we're after, right? We're after establishing that the imagination is a form of reality. We knew that up until about 800 years ago, then we lost it out of our culture. But before 800 years, like in the 12th, 13th century, we still knew that imagination was a form of reality. And then slowly it developed as the opposite of reality, right? Disney World. And um, so um, what, what you do, if you want to get back to the dream, is you have to slow things down. Now, for those of you who've done meditation, you know that that's the way it goes. 
um, that you can only get into this world by slowing down, slowing down, slowing down. So um, it's a process of slowing down while you're in that image that you still remember. So say that you remember that I was walking and there was a car to my left and a bicycle over there. Um, so first you get a sense of the way that the street is around you. So you have to get back, right? You have to first, re there's some things that you've realized before. You have no idea what the dream is about. You have no idea what the dream means because that is all your things outside of the dream that have nothing to do with the dreaming itself. You, you have no idea what it means. You just want to get back to it because you know that while you were dreaming, it was entirely real. So I want you to, to go back to that, which is usually uh, a moment in the dream. Like for instance, I'm walking by a car and there is a bicycle coming towards me. Um, so then I will ask, how do you walk? What is the light like? Is it very bright? Is it dark? People have begin to get amazing precision in their perceptions once you start. And then as you do that, you will slowly get drawn into the dream. You get absorbed by the dream and suddenly you're walking there again, at least almost. And you're, you have a sense that you're present. You, you feel the car on your left. You feel that it's a blue car and you begin to smell the events around you and you begin to hear things. And so all your senses are getting involved. So that is the first thing that I would do with a dream. Um, and then um, there are more steps that you can do afterwards to get deeper and deeper in, but that's a more complex um, problem that I'm, of course, going to address in the course. Right. Um, and just for clarity, can you? Sh what do you mean by a humdrum dream exactly? A humdrum dream is I went to um, the store and bought um, uh, a loaf of bread. Right, got it. That's a humdrum dream, and I love them. Because you cannot only work it from the perspective of the one buying the bread, but you can work it from the perspective of the bread. You can work it from the perspective of the lady who stands by the checkout. You can work it from the perspective of the store itself. Because everything is animation, right? In a dream, everything's animated. So you can just go to that particular animation, like as if you're in an animation studio, and there is somebody working on that particular aspect. So then you get to that particular aspect and you become identified with it through techniques that are more or less acting techniques. They're called um, miming techniques. And um, then suddenly you can see it from the perspective of um, the woman at the checkout. She has a completely different view than you buying a loaf of bread. And the bread is a very different, uh, is a very different entity than you getting the bread. So, there are all these potential perspectives that I help people get into. Um, but that's a step further. That I usually say, if you want to do that, do it with a friend. Because somebody has to ask the questions. It's very, dreams are uh, about um, what we call intersubjective fields. They happen between us. You tell me um, your dream, I tell you my dream. A field is created between us. And in that field, the dream begins to play. So it's much easier to work on a dream with some, someone else. As long as the other person is not going to interpret your dream for you. That's the one thing I don't want. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then I know, I know people who are new to dreaming or are mm -hmm. curious about dreaming. They're going to ask this question and I get it. Oh, good. Yes. 
Yeah. Just are nightmares bad? And I presume not. Um, it depends. Oh. Um, there are nightmares that I would hope would end. Um, imagine a person, again, a traumatized person, who is in what um, the first psychoanalyst, uh, Sigmund Freud, what Freud called a repetition compulsion. That means that he goes through the trauma again and again and again. Now, that is a, that is a nightmare that I would want to do something about, if I could. Um, not necessarily with medication, but there are techniques in which you can help shift the nightmare. Um, usually, the ordinary nightmares now, um, so not the traumatic nightmares, I'm not talking about ordinary nightmares, are not good or bad. There's no, um, there is, um, they just are. It's the question, is um, a storm a bad thing? No, storms are. Um, we get affected by them, but they just are. And um, so what I do with nightmares very much is um, I see if I can get to a place in the nightmare where there's a sense of safety or um, I, I'm trying to get into a position of something in the nightmare that has safety. Like, for instance, if you have a murderer chasing you, then your... Um, uh, your body is not a safe place because that is instant <laughs> running away and running from the murderer. The murderer is not a safe place because <laughs> so that, that doesn't work either. But if, for instance, you have over there um, uh, a table and you can help, help the person put their attention on the table and see that the table is very strong and that they have strong legs. And as you begin to identify with the table, then what happens around you becomes less scary because the table is very well situated, very well uh, grounded. And so you get a grounded position in a situation that from the ego's perspective is intensely scary. I do that also with um, people who've been traumatized. That, like, uh, uh, If a person was in a rape, then you don't go at it from the perspective of the person who's being raped because then you re-traumatize a person. But if you do it from the perspective of the table, looking over there and staying in the perspective of something else, an other animation, then the, what's happening over here becomes seen in peripheral vision. And you, you keep looking there and you, you are beginning to focus on here, but you keep looking there. And that's one of the ways that I would work with trauma and with nightmares. Does Great. that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's good. I appreciate that. Cause that, well, I, there's definitely a difference between a nightmare that is repetitive and it's, you know, traumatizing and then just a, an experience that like we perceive right. as bad, like, like the storm. So yeah. what would be your number one advice if somebody's going through that, like a traumatic nightmare? Um, talk to someone. Um, and, um, uh, if you uh, feel that you can't talk about it to a therapist, um, talk about it with someone maybe who has gone through a similar experience, that you can share the experience. It is, um, uh, this is a process that in, um, in psychology we call dissociation. So that means that um, in order to survive the trauma, you had to shrink 
and push everything that was dangerous and frightening away. So now you're here and you're disconnected from all these satellites around. And so what the work would be is to reconnect to those satellites. But as you reconnect with the satellites, then all the pain that's in the satellite will infuse the system. So that's very painful. So you don't want to do it too directly because you re-traumatize the system and then it starts to shoot off more satellites. So um, is that clear? Does that make sense? And uh, interrupt me if I don't make sense because I've been talking about this stuff for close to 50 years. So I, the thing that makes sense to me don't make sense to anybody else. Um, so um, what you try to do is to make that connection with the satellite indirectly, as I said, through peripheral vision, and then slowly let the pain of it fuse back into the system. And as it fuses back into the system, the system gets bigger again, and you get out of the claustrophobia of being in a tiny little soul that is packed so small and compact so you don't have to feel all these other things. Right. Yep. That makes sense. Yeah. There's similar techniques in NLP where you'll use like the third party because you're not experiencing it directly. If you had a traumatic, say, hit, get hit by a car and you put yourself in that moment before you're about to get hit and feel all that pain or something worse, like an attacker or something, you're going to feel all those. But from the car's perspective or the tree at the side of the road, you can observe it with a little bit of less of that energy, you know, so you can have bring more awareness into the situation about other right. things that were going on. Yeah, no, uh, that's um, so. That's a technique that we developed like forty years ago um, about getting into other perspectives, getting into non-self perspectives. And um, this is not making things up. You're not making things up. What you're doing is through a process of miming, like for instance, the tree. That you, um, uh, the, there was a person. This is a, a case. Um, a woman who. Um, gets and this is in minnesota um she uh gets on black ice and she spins out and she ends up against the tree and um thank god she is not terribly wounded and i we don't even know if she has a concussion but it was a terrible thing it was very frightening and so we worked that from the perspective of the tree that she runs runs into and because she was telling me that the tree had a certain amount of bend to it. So um, we focused on the tree and as the tree felt the impact, it started bending back. And as it starts bending back, I help her to feel that ability to bend back and come back up. And that then as she begins to feel that comes into her body as a sense of resilience. She now has resilience and she can bend with it. She can roll with the punches in this particular case. And so I think it's really important to get into non-self perspectives. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. And I think there's a lot of value just seeing things. It, I think it just increases the amount of awareness. Absolutely. Um, there's a lot of ways that I want to go with this. Um, my, my bigger question is, um, you know, if we're dreaming, what is that? How does that impact daily life consciousness? Because then we're looking at what is consciousness. Um, so I don't know if all animals dream. I know some animals dream, um, but like, what is the function and origin and meaning of of dreaming? And how does that affect our understanding of waking consciousness? And to give a little bit of clarity from where I'm coming from, is some people will wake up 
their alarm will go off, they'll be stressed all day, going about their work, running a pattern. That's a level of consciousness. Through meditation, you can experience something else, through joy, through a traumatic uh, experience, but you're, it's real. And in dreaming, it's also real. But what does that mean that you're able to experience something just as real as this scenario that you have in your daily, quote unquote, waking life and, yeah. and the implications on consciousness and just existing? Well, I think that first we would have to define consciousness. Um, and um, uh, I can only define it from its etymology, where the word comes from. And the word means knowing with. Um, so, conciencia, knowing with. So then it needs to have something else. You cannot just go through a program. The person that you said um, is getting up and going through a particular program is not conscious because there is no knowing with. There's only knowing. Knowing this has to be done, this has to be done. That's a kind of a program that goes off that has zero consciousness in it. Um, so consciousness is the ability to at the same time experience something as being aware of that you're experiencing it. That is a definition of consciousness. Any thing that you just know, but you don't know that you know, or that you, you're not aware of how you know, or there is no other knowledge than going through a, rep, uh, through a program like a computer. That's why a computer doesn't have consciousness because a computer only has, um, has the, the data, the knowing, but it doesn't know about its knowing. And so as long as it doesn't know about its knowing, it has no consciousness. So um, the person who goes through this is also going through um, uh, an absence of consciousness. So how to create consciousness um, uh, through dreaming, I think, is, um, is one of the questions that we have to come from. Um, uh, let me tell you the, que the, the parts of your question that I cannot answer or that I do not answer. Um, I do not know what dreams are for. Um, uh, um, I have fantasies about it. My fantasy is, and that will take uh, many, many years to see if somebody is going to go into proving that. I think the dreams are part of the immune system and that um, it is the way that, um, that the imagination deals with the world. But I don't know. That could be. Um, but um, I'm not using that. What, I, what I'm using is that I don't know what dreams mean, but I do know that when you get into a state of interaction with them, you go into the dreams and you are aware that you're in a dream. So you have consciousness while you're in a dream because you're aware that you're in a dream. You're aware that you're working on a dream. If you do that, then something changes in your day-to-day -day life. So I don't know if dreams themselves change anything, although there's research about that. But I'm talking about the working with the dreams. Um, there's research that shows that, um, that as a person moves further away from a trauma, uh, that the dreams begin to change. And so that dreams seem to have something to do with an integration process something to do with that uh, trauma gets transformed into something that is digestible. So that would be 
a possibility that dreams are like uh, what my friend Ernest Hartman used to say, um, that dreams are part of an innate psychotherapy system. Um, so that is possible, but it's again, it's not something that I'm working with. I only know that if I help you to get into your dreaming and begin to experience it from the perspective of your dreaming self and from the perspective of others, profound things begin to happen to your day life. All right, guys, I hope that you enjoyed that episode. I really uh, enjoyed that. It was such a deep discussion, so much knowledge, so fascinating. The world of dreams have always fascinated me. Um, check out mattbelair.com forward slash lucid dreaming if you want to um, check out the lucid dreaming free ebook and a guided audio to help you lucid dream quickly and easily. That's why I put it there because it's the easiest way to experience an altered state of reality, of consciousness. It's very real, as real as here, um, and a different thing. So it makes you question like all of reality when you can do that so check that out uh, part two is going to be coming up if you like the episode please take screenshots share on instagram it helps so much each and every share leaving a review in itunes patreon helps a ton uh, thank you to all my patrons thank you to everybody who's left a review who shared um, but the best thing that you can do is do one act of kindness today if not even better doing the kindness challenge three kind acts a day going out of your way to do it if we can make that go viral as a community that would be incredible so i invite you to take that challenge do three kind acts a day and then tag three friends and invite them to do it if you are in the spiritual community conscious community meditative community mindfulness community zen community dreaming community whatever that's the challenge that's spirituality in action so the more of us that can do that the more i will know the podcast is working and it's doing its job because yes there's mindset and there's perspective which is all great but we got to take action so uh i invite all of you guys to do that um if you guys are interested in coaching go to mattbelair.com forward slash coaching we can do a heart journey session we can do other hypnotic sessions um and we can help you uh create your life vision overcome any limiting beliefs blocks challenges that you may be having right now um, so just, just head over there if you're interested in that and, um, that's about it. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. We'll see you in part two shortly. And before we close it up, let's come to a powerful state of peace and coherence through our breath. So wherever you are in the world to stop, whatever you're doing, taking a deep breath in through your nose, hold that breath and just let it out slowly with all the cares and all the worries of the day. Come into total peace and presence wherever you are feeling confident, connected, and at peace. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. Big energetic hug through the airwaves. I hope that you are well, and I will see you in part two.